From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. The power of we and not me. That is what we're talking about today. We have a a really wonderful interview with a former president of UPS, a very large company, obviously. Most of you have probably heard of it. And a philosophy that he shares that we value and also share very deeply at Southwestern and Southwestern Consulting. And it's just a great great interview from somebody who has a lot of wisdom. And afterwards, I'm going to share with you some of the temptations uh, that I have had to fight and some of the some of the struggles that I have uh, related to superstardom and celebrity and and uh, just talking a little bit about the dangers of those. In fact, uh, I'm going to share with you the five dangers of self-centeredness and talk a little bit about how the world of this sort of selfie society that we live in of social media superstars, how that affects our attitude, and how it can be destructive, uh, not only to ourselves, but to the mission that we are trying to accomplish, and how really, if you want to make a great impact, and you want to make a big difference, and you want to be more influential in the world, there is another way. Not a way that is popular, or that is very often talked about, but there is another way, and I might even say a better way. In addition to that, at the very, very end of the episode today, I'm going to share with you something that is near, near and dear um, to our hearts, something called the Southwestern Family Manifesto, which is our internal actual like document that we read at the start of meetings, the Southwestern Family of Companies, that is the list of our core values and our belief system, and it's the principles that we try to hold ourselves up to and, and operate by. So it's a bit of an intimate show, uh, especially towards the end, and I hope you enjoy it. I think you're going to love the interview uh, from a wise man named Ron Wallace. We'll get started with that just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. Have you ever heard of the company UPS? Uh, You probably have if you've ever shipped a package or received a package. And I am so excited to uh, introduce you to Ron Wallace. Ron is the former president of UPS uh, International. But what you may not realize is that he started as uh, one of their delivery drivers. And he's got a new book about uh, that experience, Leadership Lessons from a UPS Driver. 
uh, Delivering a Culture of We, Not Me, is what the title of the book is. And uh, after retiring, uh, Ron has been involved in a number of different things. Uh, He's been really influential and played significant roles in 32 different uh, winning political elections. Uh, He owns several restaurants. In fact, he has an Irish pub called the Old Blind Dog that won the world's best Irish pub back in 2015. Serves on many boards and is just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. And, of course, the concept of we, not me, spoke immediately to myself, and uh, I just had to have him on the show. So, Ron, thank you for being here. Good. Thank you. So um, can you just t- talk to me a little bit and tell me about um, what, is, what, is that, what does that mean, we, not me, and how is that, where did that come, where did that statement come from? How did it, uh, you know, become a piece of, uh, you know, UPS's culture? It, uh, it is part of our culture, and uh, uh, as you know, to have a culture, it, uh, I guess everybody has some kind of a culture, but you really need to make it a uh, living, breathing culture that everybody participates in. It's talked about uh, daily and rarely lived. It's just not some uh, nice words on a wall. Uh, UPS is, a, uh, is a, a company that involves people, and we share the vision. We give responsibilities. We make our people uh, like owners, uh, and we understand that um, uh, no one, uh, including the CEO, only does a few things really well, and they uh, they depend on their people uh, to deliver services. Uh, you know, even in the restaurant business, you can have great food, great location, and and almost everybody does in reasonable prices. But it always comes down to the people. And uh, when you look at people, they really are your, your hands, your feet, your brains, and, and they're out there with your customers, and they're the ones that makes it happen. And uh, you can't treat people like hired hands. Uh, you have to make them part of the company, and as a leader, uh, we're probably going to get into more of that, but you have to make it challenging and involve them and share the vision and make it interesting and make it fun. So when we talk about... Uh, we, not me, we truly believe that. We don't have any superstars at UPS. Uh, we don't have any heroes. Uh, mm. We share the credit. Uh, when there's good times, we share in that. And when there's bad times, we, uh, we share in that. So t- tell me a little bit about <laughs> how you became president, because that's kind of a that's a that's a that's a story. So you started as a delivery driver. Uh, I did. And uh, UPS is a uh, promotion within company. Uh, even when somebody comes in that uh, has specialized skills, and it's very, very few and far between, uh, the first thing they'll do is go on a package car and deliver packages. They have to understand what our business is about, and that's the heart of our business. And uh, when I talk about promotion within, there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. We believe that uh, uh, leaders and our managers who start within the organization and rise through the ranks are more committed, aligned, and experienced than those from the outside. Uh, and we really promote within to pass on the culture and legacy from generation to generation. And uh, we believe investing in people who want a lifetime career, not a job. And if you look at uh, all of our managers at some time or other, they've worked most positions in the company, including myself. Uh, and uh, just a couple examples, we had uh, one CEO that started as a part-time car washer. Um, wow. Many on the management committee started as part-time loaders. I started as a driver, and uh, and that way you really know 
uh, what the company is about, and uh, you don't ask people to do more than what uh, you were know, able to do, and you, uh, you you can kind of sift through the chaff when uh, people say, and you can't do it this way or that way. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. That's something that at Southwestern's culture we we say that a lot. I'll never ask you to do something that I'm I'm not willing to do, and I think that that goes a long way. So one one of the things. So the book is called um, Leadership Lessons from a UPS Drivers and you talk about this uh, concept called constructive dissatisfaction. Uh, I, I loved the, the as soon as I saw the phrase constructive dissatisfaction, I, I, uh, it caught my attention. So you talk about why that's important. So can you explain what exactly that means, constructive dissatisfaction? Yeah, I get that question occasionally, and uh, you can probably argue both sides of it. Some people believe if it's not uh, broken, don't fix it. Uh, I and we believe the opposite. Uh, we we analyze everything. There's a method and there's a correct way to do everything, the safest way, the most efficient way, uh, whether it's processes or delivering a package or entering or getting out of a package car or uh, washing a car. It, everything has a, a method. Everything is measured. And uh, we have found out that, uh, uh, you know, when you get it near perfect, uh, go back and make it even better. And there's always a better method. Every day somebody comes up with a better way to do things, uh, not only in, in our company, obviously, but uh, even in the book. This book is not written uh, only about UPS. It, uh, it applies to uh, any industry, any company that has people primarily. And uh, we look at those methods and uh, we constantly make things better. And uh, regardless of what might be believed, uh, uh, the engineers at UPS uh, does a great job, but they didn't invent most things. Most things come from the front lines, from uh, mm. package handlers, from janitors to find jam points, uh, drivers, for an example, uh, after many, many years, came up with the idea of putting shells in a package car. And, uh, of course, that saves us a lot of time, a lot of bending over and uh, uh, prevents damages and those kind of things. So. Uh, that's really what that's about when I say constructive dissatisfaction. So I have a question about that because I, <clears throat> I, I love that. I'm a, I'm a believer in that philosophy that, uh, you know, any, uh, the answer to every problem is within five feet of where the problem exists and the person on the front is going to be the person who knows the answer. But how do you, how do you capture that information, right? Like UPS is a huge organization. You have thousands and thousands of employees. How do you, what what kind of mechanisms do you have in place or vehicles or opportunities do you have to capture that feedback from the front lines? That's probably the easiest part. Uh, we really believe in decentralized management and uh, all of our managers have a little piece of the company just like they own it and most of them do. And uh, we have, uh, we're, we are a family. Uh, it's a first name basis that the CEO walks through a building. Uh, it's very usual. They call the, uh, the loader, the janitor, the car washer uh, by first name and vice versa. We have an open door policy. So we encourage people to come with us with their thoughts and ideas. And you're absolutely right. The people that does that job eight, ten hours a day over and over and over for years knows that job way better than anybody sitting in an office and uh, we believe and we listen to them and we have a PCM <clears throat> pre-work communication meeting which lasts about three minutes in every department uh, uh, in every operation uh, every single day and that's wide open for comments uh, 
critiques and uh, uh, suggestions and uh, uh, our people are very open and when we're out there with them and working with them uh, you know we're always talking about how can we do this better how can we do it safer and uh, if we come up with something we'll pass that throughout the whole company uh, almost in a matter of seconds and take a look at it that doesn't make we make a, a fast uh, decisions without uh, analyzing it but uh, uh, we're all ears when it comes to doing something in a better way. So did you just say you just say that every person has a three minute depart a three minute department meeting every day? Yeah, if you're in an operation, for example, our typical center uh, normally is around 50 employees, drivers, uh, those kind of people. So we gather them all together prior to the shift, and we have what's called a pre-work communication meeting. Uh, it's an opportunity to pass on anything that happened yesterday in that unique operation, uh, bring them up to date on any uh, new company business. Uh, we give a safety tip and we ask uh, for suggestions, anything you need, anything going on, what can we do better. Uh, it's really a two-way uh, uh, commitment, and that happens whether you're in a clerical department in Germany or you're in a car wash operation in Oakland, California. Wow. That's wild. Every single day before each shift, huh? Well, it gives an opportunity uh, to do a couple things, especially in the operations. That uh, it's eye-to-eye uh, -eye contact with their immediate supervisor. Uh, it gives us a chance to look at uh, the appearance of it. Uh, it's just a good way to start the day. Mm. Yeah, communication and connection is uh, is very critical and. Uh, uh, it, it works. We've done it, uh, uh, as far as I know, forever. And you'll have you'll have so you'll have fifty like fifty people in that one meeting. You could have five, or you could have fifty, or you could have five hundred. Okay, so it's just whatever the department is. So people all doing like the same thing. Exactly. Ah, okay. Yeah, that reminds me of um, uh, there's a guy, a gentleman named Bern Harnish, and he talks about the daily huddle, and that's a real, a real uh, cornerstone of what he's. He talks about, but I've never heard really of an organization at the size of UPS doing that. So that's uh, that's powerful. Yeah, and a lot of times we ask the non-management people to give the meetings. <clears throat> Probably one of the better examples is in uh, our hub operations, where uh, you do a lot of some bending and some lifting, and uh, you know it's not the not the easiest job in the world, but it is physical. And uh, a part-timer came up with this idea: as long as we're having this meeting, let's have the meeting. And let us lead calisthenics for five minutes before we start work. Everybody <laughs> wow. loosens up and uh, talk about a safety factor. It's like working out anywhere. And you know that wasn't a, that wasn't a management deal. That was a, a non-management part-time person that came up with it. And <laughs> that's very common throughout the world today. I love that. I love the idea of like <laughs> 50 people in Brown, like the UPS, just doing jumping jacks like every morning. That that's awesome. Uh, I love it. So I want to come back to the we not me thing for a second. Um, so you said earlier that we don't have any superstars. We don't have any heroes. Um, why does that matter? Like, what's the what's the risk of having a, a superstar? I mean, I guess, you know, there's a risk of having something too out of control, you know, where you have like a, a Kobe Bryant kind of situation where you have a ball hog. But but what, what do you what exactly do you mean by like, is it is it a negative thing to have superstars? Uh, it is not. Uh, and uh, I think we wouldn't want to make any mistake about ability matters. And uh 
not only in our company, but other companies, sports team. I, I think you should do everything you can to attract and develop and retain great talent. Uh, but once you have that, if you uh, have a team that works together, they seem to accomplish more than if you have that one person that seems to be uh, have an attitude that's better than everybody else and kind of directs. And uh, I think the chemistry is better. I talk about that in the book as play your best five and you're not your five best. And, uh, and when that happens, I think the entire team benefits and so does the organizations. People that uh, uh, seem to be committed to the end goal are far more concerned about the team winning than about embellishing their own individual statistics. And that's why, uh, you know, we praise people, but it's, it's a team effort. And uh, uh, when people are working together for a common goal and they work well together and they are a team, I think better things get accomplished. And I'm not being critical if you have somebody that's smarter and better than everybody else and a superstar. Sometimes you have to work around them and use their talents. Uh, but if you had a choice, I think I'd go with my best five. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the, the distinction is you're talking more about a person's attitude than their skill level. Like you want to have people who are superstars at the skill level, but you don't want the superstar kind of attitude. Exactly. And um, you know, there's a lot of lessons learned. And uh, you look at the best sports team, and, and I write a little bit about that in the book. Uh, you look at a soccer team or a basketball team, and, and the interviews from the media are always the same. What makes you guys better? What made you win the championship? And uh, you know, they, they very seldom say, OK, it was just that one person just because he or she is so good. It's a team effort. Uh, we did it together. We went as a team. We never give up. I mean, you hear all the common things and you even get into individual sports, whether you're a, uh, uh, a tennis player or a boxer, for an example, maybe a race car driver. Uh, they're quick to give credit to their coaches and their trainers and their managers and all those people behind the scenes that you don't see that's working tirelessly uh, to make that one person successful. And uh, I think a superstar understands that he or she did not do that by themselves. If it wasn't those people behind the team or uh, that front line blocking that quarterback, probably wouldn't be quite the superstar superstar they're built up to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that's one of the signature phrases, I think, from the book. Uh, that That's going to stick with me. Play your best five, not your five best. Uh, I think that is so, so powerful. So let's talk um, for a couple minutes about being the leader and the leader trying to create that culture of we, uh, what do you think is the most important, you know, like some of the most important characteristics that leaders can have in general? I think uh, when they understand the most important part of their job is people and they, they select people, they train people, they mentor people, uh, they promote the right people to the right positions. And then they delegate and they turn them loose to do what they do best and stay out of their way. Uh, I think that uh, the best leaders understand that it's the people that's going to make or break them. Uh, then you do the, the common things and uh, what should be the easier things. And you, uh, you read a lot of surveys that uh, employees uh, say the number one thing they want in a leader is integrity. Um, I think uh, good leaders uh, know how to delegate, how to uh, how to inspire. Uh, they set the standards. They hold people accountable. They praise good work, 
and uh, they don't allow themselves to be a boss. They'd be a leader. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot to servant leadership and uh, empowering people. Those are uh, kind of worn out anymore, but uh, it, it circles back around. That's really what it's about. And uh, probably the most important thing is they have a clear vision. They stay with that vision. Uh, and they get all their people on the same page, thinking the same way. And there's a lot of flexibility in there, and uh, and they're good delegators, and they trust the people that's uh, that's around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when you think back on your career, uh, Ron, I just I I knew that our our time here was going to fly by so fast, and yeah. I I uh, I treasure the opportunity to get to speak with people like you that have had such great experience, and I think it is so cool how you guys promote from within and people come all the way up. What, um, what do you think is your biggest, like the biggest mistake that you ever made, um, as a leader or the biggest, the learning point or the toughest, the toughest lesson that you, you know, as you're, you're climbing the ranks here of this huge organization and you look back, you know, now having the full view and go, man, I I wish I would have learned this faster or I wish I wouldn't have done that. Uh, at UPS, and I think a lot of companies, uh, you really seek out and try to find a mentor and they're always willing to help and try to keep you away from those. And that's really part of the reason I wrote the book is, uh, uh, if other people can avoid the landmines that, uh, that I personally went through, uh, and all those mistakes, uh, uh, I think there is some value in it. I, I guess to, just to think one off the top of my head, uh, uh, I learned some valuable lessons when we opened Alaska in planning because I was uh, head of the operation, I was head of the opening, and and put a team together, and we planned for uh, uh, to get about 50 packages a day. Uh, we talked to customers, and uh, we opened Anchorage, and I had a team of about 10 people up there. So we had uh, the minimum space in the building, uh, the minimum cars, the minimum employees, and the uh, first flight showed up, and they started unloading containers and more containers and more containers and all of a sudden we're sitting there and believe it or not this uh we had a lot of the dignitaries and the vips and of course the media and everything for opening day and we're all proud and, and uh, prepared and we ended up with about four thousand packages <laughs> oh my gosh so and in alaska you can't go out and buy or rent trucks oh so I, my gosh so so I called Seattle to my boss and, and uh, very embarrassed and said, well, I kind of underestimated uh, the volume we're going to get. All I need is about 15 more drivers, about 20 more vehicles. And and uh, he brought an army together. We put six uh, UPS packages on a, on the road because it'd take forever to get them up there and two drivers and tools and spare tires and food. And they drove 2,000 miles across the Alcan Highway wow. and arrived about three days later. So I had a whole army and new and, and vehicles. Um, and we uh, we dug our way out and we hired people fast and we got out of it. But that was probably the single biggest mistake that, uh, that I can think of. Wow, that is a great story. <laughs> wow, 4,000 packages. Well, I guess that's a good, a good problem to have um i got one it's more a good question. it's a good problem if you can service it to, to, but obviously we disappointed uh, a lot of people for the first few weeks yeah yeah well i got one more question for you so but before we do that um where do you want people to go so the book's called leadership lessons from a ups driver and i love i love the subtitle delivering a culture of we not me 
where where can people go to get the book or stay connected to you, Ron? The best way to buy the book is uh, on our website. It's called Leadership Lessons by ronwallace.com. Leadership Lessons by ronwallace.com. Or you can go to Amazon or any bookstore, airport. Uh, most of them are carrying it. And Wallace is uh, W-A-L-L-A-C-E, everybody. Um, or so, you can also buy them at the Old Blind Dog Irish Pub in Melton, Georgia. That's right. Uh, <laughs> my wife is from Dalton, Georgia. So next time we're at the hometown, we might need to go, go make a trip to the Old Blind. Absolutely. Um, so last little question. You know, we we are in the uh, the heart of graduation season, and so you have all these you know young graduates coming out and going into the workforce and uh, I mean, I, I imagine that you were a young lad at uh, at some point when you when you started. What is what is one thing that you wish you would have known about the business world when you when you first entered the workforce? I think those basic things we talk about in the leadership book, and I'm the first one to point out, it's not rocket science. It's a lot of small things done well, and uh, I think uh, I'm hearing back. Uh, if we just got another second here, I'm hearing back from. Uh, long-time CEOs of large companies that's read the book and said, geez, I wish I, 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 I used to do this. It was kind of a reminder. And I've had a couple of people say, I'm not going to send my managers to uh, uh, management uh, workshops anymore. All I need to do is read this basic book, and it's really from the front line. It really is basic. It's not conceptual. It's not from the classroom. And I think the biggest thing that I've heard that I really didn't expect is I'm hearing from a lot of uh, parents, especially mothers, that says this is a good leadership book, but this is about kids understanding the right way to do things in their formative years. I made it mandatory for my two teenagers mm. because you talk about integrity, you talk about honesty, you talk about doing things right, and you talk about being responsible for your actions. And uh, I had the uh, headmaster at uh, uh, a Christian school uh, say the same thing. He says, we teach a lot of things, but he says, this is so simple. He says, I'm going to have the teachers start teaching some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. So you're listening to Ron Wallace, uh, Leadership Lessons from a UPS Driver. Uh, Ron, thank you for that message of, of building a culture of we, not me, because it seems like we live in a culture where it's all about me, and uh, just it's a, it's a refreshing message to have from somebody who has definitely earned the right to talk about it. So thanks for being here. We wish you the best. Thank you very much, and it does work. I tell you, anytime you get a chance to be around people like that, it's just like what an opportunity to learn at the feet of people who have walked the miles and done the deal and done it in real life, and that was so, so fun. There were there were a couple things that I really loved. I loved the part where he said, we don't have any heroes um, and he also said we don't have any superstars, which we kind of went back and talked and, and cleared up. But just the, the concept of it's, it's not just one person, right? It, we, there, there's not any one person that just makes it all happen. It's, it is a team. I loved that. And I loved the, that catchphrase, uh, play your best five, not your five best, right? Like play the, the five 
best people who play together and perform better uh, the best as a team rather than your five best individual players that's such a cool idea and an important idea and i also really appreciated what he talked about with the daily huddle that that uh, you know i'm using vern harnish's term there about the daily huddle but but uh, just that that meeting every day with uh, for three minutes, like three or five minutes, get everybody on the same page, communication, and we're all we're all talking and understanding. I think that's that's valuable and and powerful. And if UPS can do it at their size, then certainly you can probably do it at at you know your size, whatever the size of your team or department or church or whatever. But um, there, there are so many principles that he was talking about that I was just thinking, wow, this is this is so congruent with Southwestern's culture. I mean, we have this thing that we learn when we're in college, and we we when we're recruiting people to come with us to knock on doors uh, in the summer. It, in it's called the student manager creed, and we promise that I'll never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. And that is so huge, and uh, I think you know, promoting from within and at Southwestern Consulting's culture, we have uh, one of our, our values in our creed is we talk about that we promote principles more than personalities and that we're building a brand here that is larger than any one individual and that, you know, you can have superstars, but they're superstars in skill, not superstars in attitude. And that really you can have many superstars um, because it's about we, it's not about me. And that's what I wanted to kind of talk through for a second is just the temptation that is out there to have it be all about you because maybe it's just the world of social media or reality TV or, you know, that essentially the, our, our the presidential elections and things have just become popularity contests. And it's like, just there, there's the, we, we, we live in like the selfie society and I, it, it, when you look at people's Instagram profiles, you and you go, how many of these pictures are just like a picture of that person? It's it it's it's the way of the world. It's it's so much that uh, there's so much celebration of self, and it's easier than ever to um, you know have a podcast, start a company, write a blog, and and you know those are good things, and they can be good things, but. I think there's some real risk and some incredible dangers and a, a major temptation of self that can be destructive and negative and damaging. And most of us just, you know, we don't even, we're not aware of it because it's it's happening all around us. It's the total selfie society. And there's, there is just such a temptation to pull us in the direction of celebrating. Look at me, look at me. It's all about me. Look how great I am. And I think it's something that's worth battling because there's these five problems, these five major, there's probably more than five problems, but as I was just thinking about the temptation that I have, you know, to make things about me and the draw, because, you know, I'm in a fair amount of public light. I get a fair amount of positive attention from books and speaking and uh, this show and, and, you know, more and more we're, we're building a larger online following and email list and that kind of a thing. But I think there is a lot of value to resisting that because, there's here's five five issues I think that result from a world of of not necessarily selfishness but self-centeredness the having the world revolve around me and the first major problem is that if the world revolves around you inevitably you don't appropriately acknowledge the people that have helped you 
right? Because you you evolve to this place of thinking, yeah, I'm here because of me. I'm here because of what I've done. Like, I'm the man. Look at me. And nobody, no no level of success ever happens in a vacuum, right? Like, whatever you're doing is empowered by your parents, the school you went to, the country you live in, the fact that there's roads and internet and education and, and tools available. Like, nothing you do is the result of you. It is not because of how great you are. Now, it, it may have a lot to do with how hard you work, and that's great. And I love what uh, I posted this on Instagram. Uh, I was meeting with one of my buddies, Scott McCain, who's a Hall of Fame speaker and author. And, and he said, you know, there's a difference between being lucky and being fortunate. Um, you know, you're not lucky to achieve success if you're working hard. You're fortunate to. But being fortunate is is much different than being self-centered, right? Like it's all because of me. It's it, yeah, I worked hard, I've done a lot, but it's not without the tremendous assistance of so many other people. And if you allow yourself to indulge in the selfie society and the self-centered uh, world, then you you don't end up uh, thanking the people uh, and being grateful for all the things that really have helped you, and that's that's a real shame because you got to where you are because of people around you. The second thing, and this is a danger. I mean, these are dangerous things um, because if you don't appreciate the people around you, then those people might not stay around you, right? Then other people may not want to help you. Um, the second real danger is that you start to errantly believe that you're bulletproof, right? That's, that's kind of what happens is you go, oh yeah, like I can't fail because look at all this stuff I've done because you don't you're not factoring in how much help you've had. You're not factoring in the environment or the space that your success has taken place in. And so now suddenly you're bulletproof and you can't fail. And this happens a lot. You'll see like entrepreneurs, well they'll have an exit, they'll sell their company and then they go broke trying to invest in all these other crazy businesses or starting these other businesses because they they think that they just have the magic touch because they had this one successful thing and they don't realize how much of it had to do with their team and they don't value they don't appropriately value their team and so you you start to make poor choices and poor decisions because you believe that you're an exception like because you believe that you're just so special that you are not susceptible to failure or um you know, mistakes or errors, and and that is a danger. It's a danger to you. Um, the third thing is, I think that that superstar sort of selfie syndrome, uh, very much hinders scalability. It hinders scalability when a business becomes built all around one person's personality and it becomes all about the man or the woman and they're in charge or they call all the shots and it's it, on the the temptation right is this high this feeling of power that i'm in charge i get to decide i'm special but there's a cost to that that you probably don't realize that the danger is that if you build your entire world around you then your world can't scale beyond you. And from a company standpoint, that is very limiting and is very damaging. And if you have superstars and you have heroes, then where does it leave the rest of the team once the hero disappears? And I think one of the great challenges, one of the great calls of leadership is, is not to say how great of a leader you were. It's to say, did the team survive without you? 
Where did you leave the team when you left? If something happened to you tomorrow, would this mission, this company, this organization, uh, this movement that you are a part of, would it still continue without you? If not, then perhaps too much of the mission is built around you. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Heck, if anybody is susceptible to this, I am, and who struggles with this, I do. But getting outside of that perspective is is so huge because you got to realize that, yeah, maybe your greatness, your excellence, your awesomeness, your superstardom, which can be a good thing, becomes the handicap because it limits your scalability. It limits your in. It ultimately limits your impact. It limits your influence to build it all around you. The fourth thing, and this is a a tremendous danger to the superstar, a tremendous danger to the hero, is that you start to derive your self-worth from stupid places. Like once you get sucked up into the superstar world, right? Like, look how great I am. Look how famous I am. Look how much of a celebrity I am. Look how popular I am. All of a sudden, you start to derive your self-worth instead of from meaningful things like your work ethic and the contribution you're making to other people's lives and the value that you're bringing to the world and the people around you and the work that you're doing uh, in Christ if you're a believer. Like, instead of deriving your value from those things, and uh, if you follow the Bible, right, it says that you need that, that he is the vine and you are the branch and you have to stay connected. And the moment you become disconnected from the vine, trouble sets in. That's what happens when you're, when you're the superstar. That's what happens when it's it, because your self-worth becomes from how many likes do I have on Facebook? How many followers do I have on Twitter? How many followers do I have on Instagram? How many people did comment to me? Um, y- you know, like, how, how much do I look? How, how many uh, likes do I get on my pictures? How many uh, in parties do I get invited to? How much money do I have? What kind of house do I live in? What kind of car? All of that, all of that stuff is empty. It's so empty. A million likes will never be enough if you don't like yourself. A million dollars will never be enough if if you don't if you don't have your self-esteem rooted in the vine. Right? Those things all fade. They all and and this is why you see so many celebrities have these disastrous lives because they were told for so long how important they are, how special they are. They were allowed to get away with anything and do whatever and they make poor decisions. And then one day that all disappears. Just like that. And when that happens, so goes their self-esteem because it's not rooted in principles. It's not rooted. And, and there's not enough value in the team today. It's all about my profile, my image, my this, my that, and that's what we celebrate. And we don't celebrate the team enough. But the team is is what will last. And you know, when I think about Southwestern Consulting and what we're doing here, that's what makes it so beautiful is it's not about one personality. We have lots of great personalities, but it's about principles more than personalities. We're building a brand and a team where a rising tide raises all ships and everybody can succeed. And it's it's not celebrating the man or or promoting one person. It is about a team, and, and more than the team, it's about the customer, and it's about delivering those results. And it was, so when Ron was talking about the same kind of culture of, of we, not me, that really speaks to me because, you know, it's, okay, fine, you're a celebrity, you're a, you're a, you're a social media superstar, whatever, like you have the selfies with all the likes. Well, that's, that's great. 
What happens when all that disappears? Where does that leave you? You're going to have to turn to something, right? And you if, if you, you want to be rooted in things that are lasting, right? Uh, you want to be rooted in, in team, in friendship, in camaraderie, in value, in service, and, you know, in, in Christ, if you're a believer, and that is being connected to the vine. But, um, so that's the fourth danger, is you start deriving your self-worth from stupid places. But the fifth thing... And, and this is something that I would just say, okay, Mr. Superstar, the more that your superstardom is centered around you as an individual, the shorter your legacy will be. The more your superstardom is based around you, the shorter your legacy will be. In other words, for most, most superstars, their legacy is one generation. Right, it's one generation. All the people that heard about them, and then very quickly that fame fades away, uh, and it's gone. And it's amazing, right? Like, find find a seven year old and ask him if they know who Michael Jackson is, right? Like, I'm, I was I was shocked. I was with I was with my nephew, um, and he did know who Michael Jordan was, and he was a Michael Jordan fan. But I was with my nephew, and I was like, "Cardi, do you know who Michael Michael Jackson is?" He didn't know who Michael Jackson was, and I was like, "That's so crazy! Michael Jackson is huge! Like, what are we teaching these kids if they don't know who Michael Jackson is?" But it was just such a good reminder of like how big you can be and be completely forgotten in one generation. And then yet you look at the people who do things that serve. And maybe their name doesn't last. Like maybe you never even knew their name. But look at the value and the impact they created, right? Like you think of like the Red Cross or Habitat for Humanity. Or you think of things that are like that. These, these movements that people create. These, this, the serving and how it continues on. Or the companies, you know, like UPS, you go, who founded UPS? I don't know. I don't have a clue who founded it, but I've heard of UPS. And you don't have to have that celebrity superstardom to do that. And and the legacy carries on in, in your legacy. And that thing that you build impacts many more people than your brand, than your persona, than your personality. And it's just dangerous because there's that temptation. Um, but if you go, if you really want to be, if you really want to make a celebrity impact on the world, if you really want to have that level of stardom of impact on the world, then perhaps it should have less to do with you and more about building something that is going to last longer than you. And I, you know, these are dangers I'm talking about because these are things, you know, I struggle with. And I live in a world of, right, of online marketing. And I live in a world where, uh, you know, of speakers and authors. And it's all about who has the best seller and who's selling the most copies and who's speaking to the most people. And it's just kind of a, a, a little part. It's a part of, of the world that I live in. And, and it's just, it's dangerous. It's so, so dangerous. And... You know, ultimately, so many of those things just lead to emptiness and loneliness. And so I just want to invite you and encourage you and challenge you to put your faith in, in, into things that are sustainable. Put your, put your self-esteem into your work habits, not your production. Put your focus on, on service, not, you know, selfie stardom. Uh, base your life on principles and... Uh, one of the things I just want, thought I would read this to you is the Southwestern Family Manifesto. So at the Southwestern Family of Companies a couple years ago, we went through the same exercise that uh, we ended up doing at Southwestern Consulting. 
um, several years ago when we created our creed. And as a family of companies, we created the Southwestern Family Manifesto. And, and I just want to, I want to read this to you for a second, because to me, uh, it's, it's one of the things I love. And it's one of the reasons why I hang around Southwestern and, and just love it. It says, at the Southwestern Family of Companies, our mission is to be the best organization in the world at helping people develop the skills and the character they need to achieve their goals in life. As part of that pursuit, we believe in an uncompromising commitment to operating with integrity and doing what we say we're going to do. Leading by example because you can't teach what you don't know and you can't lead where you won't go. Setting goals, using positive self-talk, and never limiting ourselves to what we can accomplish. The power of serving others, and we are intentional about our contribution to other people's lives. Giving with little regard for what we might get back. Being coachable and in continual and never-ending personal and professional growth. Seeing people not for who they are, but for who they can become. We believe in the power of an entrepreneurial spirit and in helping people reach their ultimate potential. We believe in taking action and operating with a sense of urgency. We believe in being good stewards of our resources and being accountable to our partners for our results. We believe on fo- in focusing on what is right and not who is right. We believe in the power of God-given faith and, we, and believing that we are strong enough to overcome any obstacle. We believe in being customer-focused, service-minded, and in doing the right thing for our customers and our team members. We believe in choosing a great attitude and always finding a way instead of finding an excuse. We believe in self-discipline and that successful people form the habit of doing the things they know they should be doing. We believe in working to recognize others over seeking recognition for ourselves. We believe in having an intentional focus on selling and that each person is responsible for the growth of the company. We believe in using principles to guide our decision-making. We believe in developing a lasting relationship with our team and in treating team members like family members. Most of all, we believe in building people from the inside out. We know that we aren't what's important, but what we do is important. We take pride in being the best in the world at recruiting, training, and motivating the elite sales forces on the planet. We carry a special reverence for our heritage of those who came before us, and we work with intentional responsibility for those who will come after us. We believe in the power of legacy, the power of shared ownership, and we never take for granted what we have here as a family of companies. We help people achieve their goals in life. We build character. We build people, and those people are building a great company. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that really helps us out. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.